Welcome back, and thanks again for returning to Beyond the Hardwood. This episode features Corey Irvin, head women's basketball coach at St. Xavier University, and Coach Irvin and I talk about her journey within basketball. From growing up outside of Chicago, to her going across the country to play at Fresno State, her time at DePaul with Coach Bruno, the success she had at Whitney Young and in her first year at St. Xavier, as well as her blog she started during this pandemic, and the trials she has dealt with in those stories. So stay tuned as I tap in with Coach Irvin coming up next. Coach, how you doing this morning? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Good, good. I appreciate you taking the time out to hop on here with me. Oh, well, I appreciate you asking. That's for sure. So it should be fun. No, nah, most definitely. Most definitely. So let's go ahead and get right into it. So you're born and raised uh, in the Chicago area, right? Yeah, yeah. But I um, grew up, I, it's probably about an hour like it, I wouldn't call it a suburb, but it's considered a suburb. But it takes about an hour to get there. Okay, nice. So in Elgin. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I already know off rip that the winters weren't one of your your most ideal times to be living up there, huh? <laughs> no, not <laughs> at all. Um, but you know what? You get adjusted to it because I I think about it now. When I was growing up, I I would wear shorts in the winter and stuff just because I got we were just so used to being cold. Oh, wow. Um, but yeah, but now that I'm older, I'm like, godly, <laughs> it gets really cold. I was about to sometimes, say, you're looking some, for your Some years jumps. it's a lot colder. Exactly. Sometimes it's really bad and sometimes it's just average. Like this past winter was just average, right. average cold. <laughs> right. See, I, see, you yeah. better than me. I don't know if I could be rocking shorts. See, I'm from the South, so I'd be two <laughs> pairs of sweatpants, some Tim's, uh, yeah, <laughs> but you know what you get what happens is you're you're out you're only outside for so long right so then when right. you're layered and you go inside then you're sweating right so you kind of just get to a point where it's like am i dressing for the inside or am i dressing for the outside right no so some days we just i would just run to the car <laughs> oh man see when i lived up I, I lived shortly for a brief stint when i was younger in grand rapids michigan and uh, okay. I never forget, man, having to go out there and shovel the shovel the driveway. That was like the most miserable time of life. Nose running, yes. freezing, <laughs> you know, hands shaking. I'm like, golly, I can't wait to get down to to Alabama. Right, so. right, yeah. <laughs> so, so yeah, uh, yeah, that's how it's, it's how it's like. Nah, for sure, for sure. So. So how was it for you growing up in Illinois and what are some differences you noticed between now and then, you know, especially you being a player coming up So kind of talk to us about that. I, I would say, um, so when I was growing up, girls didn't, didn't play basketball, um, especially where I lived. Like I think in the city of Chicago, they did, but, um, where I lived their girls just didn't play. They played softball, um, okay. or gymnastics or volleyball volleyball and softball was pretty much what all the girls played so there were only a handful 
of girls that even play basketball. So like the first teams that I played on were, were all softball okay. um, with girls. And my dad started le- uh, a league at the Y, um, but it was a boys league, but it, he started it just so I had somewhere to go play. Right. And so that I could learn how to play and wasn't just like in the backyard and, and just doing stuff with him. So, and even in the league, I think, man, there were hundreds of kids and there maybe were five girls, 10 girls, um, almost in, like from, I, I think it started in third grade till, till I was in high school. So I really didn't start um, playing with girls and, until I got into high school. And even when I was growing up, like, a, we didn't have AAU teams out there. So that's a huge difference. Just having all these teams that girls can play on now, like, that didn't exist right. um, when I was younger. So we had a thing called the Prairie State Games. And it was, like, all the sports um, in the whole state of Illinois. It would be one weekend in uh, June. And that was when college coaches would come and watch you play. So, like, if you didn't play good that weekend, you you weren't, you know, were, like, if you were in a small town or, you know, you weren't going to college if you didn't play that weekend at the Prairie State Games and if you didn't play good. So that was where I even got recruited from was just playing that weekend because my team wasn't, we just we just didn't have exposure right. um, like that from a basketball standpoint. So it's different, uh, totally different now. And I, I always try to get players to, they just don't know. You know, they don't know that they have all these opportunities that didn't exist. Not even, I mean, it's not like I played 50 years ago. You know what I mean? Like, right, we're talking, right. yeah, <laughs> we're still talking like their parents, you know, their mothers didn't have even the same opportunities that they have. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would say just just the opportunities to just play with girls. Like now, you know, you can get 10 girls to go play in a pickup game. And I, I never played pickup with girls ever. I always play with guys. Right. And I'd be one or two of the only girls most of the time. So I'd, I'd probably say that was just the, the biggest difference to me is just the opportunities to be able to play. Okay. Let me ask you this. While you were out there playing pickup, what the dudes, was you holding your own? Was, was you out there getting, your, getting yours in? No, I, I, had to hold, I had to hold my own there. It, it would be funny. Like, I would go and play sometimes with guys my age. Um, but a lot of times with guys like my guys that were older than me that were in college or um they would have like adults because my dad would be the one that would take me to the gym right. and there was always this one guy it's all it was every time it'd be one guy that'd be like a girl shouldn't be playing so then i had to play like my dad would tell me like if you don't play right <laughs> you're not doing nothing when we get home right so i didn't i really didn't have the the like i had to like if i got the ball i had to make the shot you know what i mean like it was like it, it was good for me because it made me play. Um, it made me play that much smarter because you know what I mean. Like my opportunities were going to be different, mm-hmm. and I had to be able to perform in that time, or I heard about it. Like it, you know how guys are. Right. Why is she even out here? Like, right. like I didn't. I didn't. I couldn't be. I couldn't be the reason why we lost or anything like that. So it at the time it was like irritating, but when I look back, I think it helped me a lot. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so how would you say that those moments playing and pick up with guys, how did, would you say that molded you into the high school player you were? Because, you know, you were, you know, pretty legit for sure. I mean, at Larkin High, you, you're the all time leading, well, you were the all time leading scorer up until 2008. But, 
Um, you know, you're a two-time All-Upstate Eight Conference selection, you know, co-player of the year in 92. How do you think that molded you into the player you were in high school, um, getting you ready, you know, to go to college? I think it made me tougher, um, especially mentally tougher. Um, and it, it made me kind of, like, kind of understand about, like, um, not taking things for granted when I played. Mm-hmm. Like, just having, like, just kind of approaching the game, like, every play mattered and just kind of playing harder about it for sure. Right. Because um, I think, in, like, on my team, I had, like, a different mentality than a lot of a lot of the a lot of my teammates were just playing because they wanted to be on the team. Um, so I think playing the pickups and constantly playing with um, the guys made me a lot more competitive, um, which overall, you know, that helped me a lot, just being able to have those experiences to, to fall back on. Um, I think that was huge with how, I, with how my career went in high school. Right, right. And how would you describe your high school career? Um, obviously, and kind of talk to us about how the Fresno State opportunity came about for you. Mm-hmm. Um, when I first started high school, they they put me on varsity, and I didn't I didn't want to play on varsity to be honest because I racially the school was really uh, segregated, mm-hmm. um, and I just wasn't comfortable with the girls that were on the varsity team. Right. And it was like it, I don't want to say it was dramatic, but like I at first I was like I'm not playing. That was my attitude, but of course my parents <laughs> didn't let me do that. Right. Um, so my, I would say my, my freshman year was really hard um, because I was on the team and and I was starting and I was doing a lot of things, but like it wasn't it wasn't a good team situation um, at all. But then after that year, the other three years, um, I, I had to learn kind of how to be a leader, which was hard at first. And I had a coach that was. I don't, I don't, I don't like to say the term crazy, um, but I had a coach that was like um, a screamer, and he screamed like he he yelled at me twenty four seven, like all the time. Right. I think that was the only thing he ever did. Um, but it it did help develop me into a better leader and kind of just um, trying to just do the team dynamic where I was to being dependent on from the basketball standpoint from all the points and the rebounds and everything. But then I still had to be dependent on to be a good leader to get people to do the things that they needed to do. And I struggled on and off with that really probably I'd say until like midway through my junior year mm. where I was like, okay, I got to, I got to be able to be both. I got to be able to leave these guys who are my friends. Right. Um, and you know, because I was trying to win and trying to get to play in college. And it, it was interesting. It was just different dynamics trying to get to that point. Um, but then um, College-wise, like I said, when I played in the Prairie State games, I started getting recruited from there. And I never wanted to stay in the Midwest. And the one thing that I kept telling my coach and my parents was I, I didn't want to go to school in Illinois. Like, I was not going to go to school in Illinois. Um, so when I started getting recruited, I was recruited by Western Michigan. And at the time, Western Michigan had a black female coach. And she's about one of the few um, in, in Division One. Right. So I I was interested in them just because I never, you know, I never had a female or a black female coach. Um, so I went and visited them, but I, I just didn't, I mean, you might as well be in Chicago if you're in Michigan. Um, <laughs> right, right. And I went, right, and then I went and visited Indiana. And, you know, Indiana at the time, um, Indiana was, was really good. And so I went to visit Indiana, but I just, it was a little tough. 
um, from, I just didn't really want to go to Indiana. And then um, UNLV and Fresno, I was talking to both of them. And at the time, UNLV had Tark and, I, you know, UNLV was like my favorite men's team. So like in my head, I was like, I'm going to UNLV, and I, but all I was thinking about was the men's team. Like I, you know, I'm like, they're they're the best ever. Had no idea really anything about the women's team. Right. Um, and then I was gonna go visit Fresno. Well, my Fresno visit was before UNLV, and when I went out to Fresno, it was April, and it was like 30 degrees in Chicago, and it was 90 in Fresno. So when. <laughs> So we oh, went on boy. a visit. As soon as we got off the plane, I told my dad, I'm coming here. He's like, we haven't even seen the campus. I was like, I don't care. I'm like, it's hot. It's April. It's sunny. I was that's, like, I'm coming here. And then, and he was like, well, we're, <laughs> we're going to go visit the school. And I really liked it. Funny. I mean, yeah. That was all I could think of. I'm like, I can wear shorts in April. I'm coming right. here. So, yeah. So actually on the, on the flight back, um, as soon as we landed, I had, I had committed. And back then you could only sign in April anyway. We didn't have the November period. So, right, right. Um, but I, I liked Fresno because there were a lot of different types of people on their campus. And then Elgin, it was just white and black people, to be honest. Like maybe there were a couple of Hispanics, but there weren't, we didn't have a lot of Asians like it is now. It just wasn't a mix of people. And then Fresno, there were like all these different people. And right. I was like amazed to be honest with you. So, that was really what kind of drew me to go out there. Okay, good, good. Well, shoot, I, I, don't, I honestly do not blame you. I, I don't blame you for leaving yeah. Illinois. <laughs> I know we we went out there to California one time when I was at South Alabama to play, and I was like, man, the weather out here is beautiful. Like, I couldn't yeah. imagine like anybody why anybody wouldn't want to go out here and play. So, and I've heard some great things about Fresno State as well. So, I definitely tip my hat off to you. Um, so who did you play for at Fresno State? So I played for, um, Coach Spencer first, Bob Spencer. Okay. And then, um, well, he, I don't know what happened. He retired, resigned, it, he retired, let's oh. just put it like that. Okay. And then, um, Linda Wonder, uh, took over and I played for her for the next three years. Okay, got you. And how how was it for you? Um, obviously, you play for two coaches. You know, it can be a little bit difficult. I've done the same mm-hmm. as well. Two different philosophies. So, how was it for you um, playing for two different coaches? And and what were some things that you know you had to learn quick while transitioning from you know high school as a player to now you know the college scene. Um, player wise, we never we just played like in high school, like we didn't, we didn't condition and lift weights or anything like that. So the, the hardest thing for me was the conditioning, like the, just, just doing so many weeks of conditioning and and the lifting wasn't that hard, but the conditioning, like my, my very first day of conditioning in college, we were, we were told we had to run five miles. I didn't even know, I didn't even know how far five miles was. I I almost had like, yeah. (laughs) And it was hot, and, like, Fresno, right by the campus, is, like, all these grapevines, which, and the sun was out, and I, I don't know if it, like, grapevines are, like, the ground is gray, basically, it's, like, cement or dirt, mm-hmm. so everything was, like, reflecting off the sun, and it, it, it was so hot. I, I literally had a breakdown while we were running, so we're running, I'm just going to tell a story, I, 
I, we're running, and, and, and I thought we had ran like five miles. I'm like out there dying, and I'm midway through the pack, so I wasn't at the end of the end of the pack or anything because I'm just like my first day really running. Right. So I'm like, okay, I at least got to stay up mid, midway through. I had, to, I had to stay up from the other freshman post. I'm like, I can't be back there by her. Right. So I'm midway running, and, and it seemed like that we ran so far away from the campus, and I kept looking back like, oh, my God. <laughs> we got to run all the way back there. So we get to the, we get to the stoplight and we're like, you know how you jog in place at the stoplight. And there's a, a, one of the reasons I went out there was one of the girls on the team. She was from Joliet, which is from Illinois. She was a, a senior. So she was like, okay, Corey, we got to turn left. And she was running. She's a point guard, but she was running with me to keep me motivated. So she's like, we got to turn left. I said, left? The, the campus is way, it's to the right. And she was like, no, we got to go left. I literally started crying. I was like, "What?" <laughs> and we, because I, because I'm like, we're we're running away from the campus, even further than how far we went. So she's looking at me and my, and I was running still. I just was crying. I cried the whole rest of the way, oh, and I was man. like running, talking to myself. I was like, "Why did I come here?" <laughs> she was like, "It'll be okay." And that was like my first. That was my very first day. So my hardest thing definitely was the the outdoor running because our our assistant coach ran marathons so when i'm mm. talking about we ran we ran Man. like all the time non-stop so that that was my hardest adjustment was that part um and it, it i had two totally different coaches so coach spencer was um well let's just say he he resigned he retired because his coaching style was very very old school right very very old school um and so a lot of players had an issue with this coaching style i was used to it so i was like whatever like <laughs> not even paying attention to him right um and but then it was different because he was very old style with how he treated us on the court like he'd throw balls and do all this crazy stuff but off the court he was like a grandfather so, you know, we were always over at his house. He would take care of us when we were on the road. He made sure we always had the best of everything. Like, he, you know, he was really, really nice off the court. Right. But on the court was just like a different person. Well, then the coach that came in was like the exact opposite. So it was a, it was a lot different for me. So, like, first year I really felt like he actually really cared about us. You know what I mean? And then right. we got a coach that I felt like, was it was more business operated um when she came in and i it was good to just kind of have those two different experiences to help me as a coach like when i you know what i like as a like what i liked as a player um and what i didn't like as a player i kind of use that now as i'm coaching but it was it definitely was different two totally different mindsets i think to coaching gotcha and then you were there from 92 to 96 correct yeah. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. So while you were there and in your four years, obviously, um, you end up graduating. You know, you play for two different coaches. Um, but, you know, you leave your mark in a sense as a player on the on the university. You know, you were fifth all time in blocks, ninth in rebound and tenth in field on the field goal list. What would you say were some of the biggest things that Fresno helped you or help mold you into as a, you know, as a woman and even as, you know, a coach now today? Mm -hmm. I would say one thing I learned um, as a woman was 
I, I was able to do a lot more than I thought I was able to do. Um, if that, you know, if, if that makes sense, just even physically, mentally, I think it pushed me to kind of see that, that I was more capable than I thought. And especially because I was so far away from home. Right. Um, yeah, I, I kind of was forced to just grow up right. quick and still kind of, and, and just kind of become an independent, um, woman. I think I, I definitely learned that there without a doubt. And that, that helped me a lot just overall. And I think what it what it did for me coaching wise is just kind of help me understand how important that is to to help your players kind of develop that. You know what I mean? We get them right. whether we have them for four years or two years or one year. We still have a part of a, a responsibility that a responsibility to help them grow as a as a as a woman as a man whatever just to kind of help them find themselves in that in that manner because I definitely think being in Fresno helped me with that good good so when you were done or when you graduated were you already kind of set that you wanted to get into coaching or was there your eyes set on being you know going into another field what what were your plans when you graduated when I graduated I was I was done like I was so tired um and yeah I'm not even gonna lie I was just like I'm done not I don't want to say I was done with basketball, but I was done with basketball. Like I didn't want to play uh, past college. I right. wanted to go into teaching. Um, and originally I was just going to get away from the game and just go into teaching. That was kind of my mindset when I first graduated. Okay. And I did, I, I didn't coach at first. It was actually my dad that was like, I think you should go into coaching. Cause then I started missing basketball. Right. And then, you did you take a year off or did you automatically end up at DePaul with Doug Bruno? Because I know that was your first um, your first break into the business. Correct was with Doug Bruno. Right. Yeah, I took a couple years off. Okay. Okay. I coach. I I coached um, a sophomore a sophomore high school girls game for a year, and then from there I went to DePaul. Okay. But I was just kind of doing that because I didn't. I, I was trying to see if I wanted to kind of get back into. Right. So I was helping out with the high school sophomore Got, team. Gotcha. Gotcha. So kind of talk to us about that transition. Um, you know, you take a couple of years off, you know, but an opportunity comes up to be, you know, at DePaul with, you know, Doug Bruno, who's obviously a Hall of Fame coach. And how was that experience for you, you know, being on the other side of the ball now? You know what I mean? What what are some of the most important things you would say you learned under coach? Because you were there for two years with him, um, mm-hmm. and then you end up getting an opportunity at Whitney Young to be the head coach over there. So kind of talk to us about that. Um, so the opportunity kind of just happened. He like I used to go to Doug Bruno camps when I was growing up all the time, but um, it just kind of happened because my sister was actually on the softball team at the Paul at the time. Okay. And they were at the World Series, and he was there, and my parents were there, and they were just happened to be talking, and he was talking about how he was looking for a younger coach, and they were, like, you know, telling him that I was interested in coaching. So it just kind of led from there. It was kind of how I got um, got in to, into the position in the first place. And Doug, Doug is really good with trying to get former players opportunities to coach. So he was really good in just kind of helping me develop um, – a lot of my coaching skills at the time um, and just showing me d- 
the importance of just a lot of a lot of things. I mean, it's hard to kind of just sum up everything like what I learned necessarily at that time. Right. But I would say the biggest thing I learned is how different it is from playing the coaching. So when you're playing, even though it's five people on the court, you know, and it's say 13, 15 people on the team, so you're not solely dependent on yourself, mm-hmm. you still can control a lot of what happens. Right. So you still have like some control of what happens. But when you're coaching, you don't, you don't really have that control. And it's hard going from, I think that, um, that quick first from going from playing to coaching that's a hard adjustment at first because you're now you're on the sideline and you're realizing like, even if you tell them exactly what to do, you still have these five individuals and they, you know, that have their own minds and trying to get them to do exactly what you want to do. Sometimes when you go from playing to coaching, that's a, that's a hard adjustment. It's hard to kind of like lose that, some of that control. And you know, as a player, a lot of playing is like, okay, I have control over this and just trying to maintain control over the outcome. And when you're coaching, you don't have as much control over the outcome. Right. And I, I think that was like the hardest adjustment for me at first to just be like, okay, I'm not playing. So I got to look at this a little bit different and how, about, how would I, how do I need my players to approach this? That, that, that took a little bit of time. To right. kind of understand like that part of it for sure, that that difference between playing and coaching, um, and I see a lot of players when they go into coaching. That's like I'm like, well, you're, you you got to relax because you're not. That's not not you. Right, <laughs> so, right. That's not you playing. You got to you got to remember that as they're like you know screaming and hollering like that's not you. So <laughs> um, I would say that was probably <laughs> the quit like one thing I had to learn. Yeah. Um, and when I. When I was at Paul because I was so young and um, I was like a, the recruiting person, like I was always on the road and I worked with the post and I, and I enjoyed that, but I did kind of get like to a point where I didn't want to just be that, you right. know what I mean? Like right. I didn't just want to be a recruiter. I didn't just want to work with the post. And it's hard because at the college level, that is, you know, you know, that's, that is kind of how they hire people. Like we want this person to do this, this person to do this, this person to kind of specialize in that. And you really got to be in the perfect situation to kind of branch out of those things. And because I was young and I had always been a post and stuff, I felt like I needed to be able to learn different parts of the game, to be honest. And I didn't think that was going to happen at the college level because I thought, I felt like, even even if I say that to Paul, even if I would have left the Paul and went someplace else, I was still always going to be that person. Like I was going to be responsible for recruiting. Right. I was going to be responsible for post. And I just kind of felt like if I ever wanted to be a head coach, I would never. You know, I, I I just felt like I was. It wasn't necessarily the best route for me to go. And so Whitney Young opened up, and Doug was really good in like being like, "Why don't you go?" It's a head position. You'll you'll be able to learn different things, and you know, and you can go back to college eventually. And I didn't I didn't intend on being at Winnie on that long, um, to be honest. When I first left, um, but it just it just worked out that way. So part of the, part of the reason why I went there was I I really felt like I needed um, to learn different parts of the game. And in high school, you got to know everything. Right. You know what I mean? You got you can't just be a post coach at the high school level if you're the head coach because now good luck getting the ball to the post. You know what I mean? Right. So 
I think that helped from that perspective. It kind of forced me to learn learn how to coach different areas of the game. Yeah, no, nah, for sure. And I'm glad you hit on that because I was I was actually going to be my next question was um, going to be how you got to Whitney Young as a head coach. And if it was kind of basically how you described a scenario where you felt you wanted to be a head coach and that was going to be the way that you basically, you know, grew into, you know, the role and person you are today. Um, so I'm glad you hit on that. But while you were at Whitney Young, obviously, like you said, you didn't expect to be there that long. But, you know, you were there for 18 <laughs> seasons, but had a heck of a career, you know, um, 449 and 77. That's outstanding, I should say. But um, mm-hmm. three state championships, obviously, you know, you were coach of the year three times. Um, what were some lessons you learned early as a head coach that, you know, helped you out and kind of, you know, helped you become the coach you are today and uh what are some things that you you would say helped you um create such such a successful program as you continue to find yourself within being a head coach so i would say early on um like when i when i first started at Whitney young i was i wasn't that much older than the players um to be honest and i i think early on I, I had to learn how to keep um, boundaries. You know what I mean? Like right. um, just just the boundaries from a, a player coach type boundaries from, from that perspective. And, and for me personally, I, I had to learn that I wasn't going to please everybody. And I, I just was the type of person that, not saying I like to please everybody, but I liked everybody to be happy. Right. And so I, I had to learn quick that when you're coaching, everybody's not going to be happy. It's about, you know, the decisions being what's best for the team, what's best for the program, and understanding that sometimes those decisions, you're, you're going you're gonna to make people mad. Or, you know, someone might, might, might not be happy with what those decisions are, but I had to be satisfied with what those decisions were. And my decisions that I was making had to be based on the team and the program and not like one individual player or one, you know, this person might not like what this decision is, but this is what's best for the team. So I, I definitely had to learn that early and early in um, my career. Um, and I, and I had to learn, you know, rela- like how relationships with the parents, like how, how to kind of navigate those relationships and, for me, um, what I what I learned early was the parents and the kids are two totally different people, two totally different people. Right. And a lot of times, you know, it's it's so easy to get frustrated with parents that you take it out on the kids. And that was one thing I really tried to not ever do, where I, I tried to separate the two. Um, and that wasn't always easy, you know, at all. But I think that that was probably – that was probably the most important thing that I had to learn yeah. and kind of stick with throughout my career is just that they're two totally different people. And I always had to, to treat the kid like they were themselves. And, and that was like individually with how I handled them um, for sure. And I, and I think um, the other thing I had to learn, and I was just telling somebody this the other day, I am like obsessively competitive and, I, and my whole family is. So it's not like it's just me. Like we're just really, really competitive people. And I'm a really, not, I don't want to say a sore loser, but like, I, I'm a sore loser. Like, I, I guess that's the best way to put it. Like, um, 
and I and I valued a lot everything on the outcome. So it took me years at Winnie Young to like not um, put my identity to the outcome right. and kind of focus more on the journey. Like we would go through a whole season and and might be only lost two games, and that's all I could think about was right. those two games. Like I couldn't even tell you how we even got <laughs> like what we did all year. And all I can remember is every single second of the two games that we lost. And I really had to kind of just redo that, redo my thinking and just kind of appreciate more of the whole process to get to something than to just focus on what the outcomes were at the end. Um, and I, I think that's probably helped me grow the most. Yeah. Um, and I still hate losing. I'm, I'm still really bad at it, but I, I can put it in a better perspective now than I did early on. Early on, I, I couldn't put it in a perspective. If we lost the game, I, you couldn't even talk to me for like days. <laughs> I couldn't even... <laughs> <laughs> like nobody could talk to me. <laughs> oh boy, just stay out of your way, huh? Yeah, exactly. Everybody knew too. Everybody knew. Like oh, even the players, they'd be like, "Oh God, don't talk to coach." <laughs> Shoot, you probably have them scared to come to practice the next day. Oh yeah, there are some days they they yeah there are some days <laughs> that they knew. But I, I mean, I think it's you know it's we always talk about like how do you build a winning culture? And I think it's just a lot of little things, you know, it's just a lot of little things put together um, that make like the big things. Um, But it's, it's so, it's also so like individually focused, you know, Mm -hmm. what, what makes me do things is going to be different from somebody else because why I'm doing things is going to be different from somebody else. My reasoning for even for coaching might be different from somebody else's. Right. Right. No, for sure, for sure. I mean, it's obviously, it obviously played dividends for you at Whitney Young. You know, a lot of success there, and um, and even while you were there, you were, um, if I'm not mistaken, while you were there as the head coach, you were inducted into the Elgin Sports Hall of Fame. Um, yeah. How how was that, or how was that accolade for you, um, or how did it make you feel? I should say, because you know that's that's a pretty good accomplishment. You know, it's a testimony of your hard work. And, and yeah, just kind of talk to us about that. So in our house, I got inducted after my sister, so that made me a loser. So by the time I got inducted, everybody was like, well, you weren't the first in the family, so whatever. (laughs) Um, But you know what? Yeah. But it was kind of it was kind of cool. I think um, it was. It was kind of nice to even go to the event and to kind of just remember back to that time period right. um, because my team wasn't very good. It wasn't like we were winning a lot of games. Um, my senior year, we upset, like, the number one team and stuff, but we weren't, like, a great, great team. So to kind of have been able to be recognized, you know, just for even the accomplishments that we did have I was kind of nice and kind of fun. And just to, right. to be in that category of, like, all these people – that achieved like all you know just so many different things in sports in the town and to kind of be in you know recognized with them that's you know that's kind of interesting and it's fun because there's a one of the main gyms that they use for like tournaments in this area is in Elgin so whenever my kids got to play there it's kind of cool because my picture's on the wall and to see them go there's my mommy up on the wall so that's kind of nice to kind of just have that that experience so it was something definitely that 
I, I treasure for sure. Nah, that's love. That's definitely love. That's definitely love. So, man, let's kind of get back to it. Don't have too much longer with you, but um, obviously, most recently, you just finished up your first season at St. Xavier, and y'all had a pretty good year, 29 wins, you know, four losses. I know you probably still think about those four. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so so what made you want to get back into the college level? How did, Yeah, kind of talk, talk to us about that. How did that come about? Well, it I, I was um, – well, actually, so at Whitney Young, I was actually the – I worked in special education. So I had been the special education administrator for the last couple of years. I was a teacher for a long time and then I became the administrator. And, um, that took up like the bulk of my time. Like I really didn't have that much time for coaching and I kind of, and the balance started to be like more work and less basketball. Um, just because the work was so complicated that I had to do, or just, just so time consuming. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually it was kind of odd because I was always going back and forth about going to college and not going to college. And a lot of my college friends, college coaching friends were like, you should just stay where you are because this business is you know, crazy and there's no security. Right. And I had, I, I had security and everything, but a lot of people just didn't know that I, I spent more time working in special ed than I spent coaching. Um, just because that's, that's what, I, that's how I actually made my money. Coaching wasn't paying me enough for that. Right. Um, so one day, one of these retirement people came to the school and I found out that I had enough years to get my pension, not, not my complete, like my master complete pension. Um, but I didn't, I had enough years where I could, I can live very comfortably off my pension. Right. And so when I was talking to that person, I was like, wait a second, I could leave. Like I don't have <laughs> to do the 32 years. Right. that I thought I was going to have to do. And, you know, I had already been there 18, but I was going to have to do 30. I thought I was going to have to do 32. So I wasn't even like, I was barely halfway right. um, through through the career. And so when I found that out, I just started talking to my husband. And I was like, well, if an opportunity comes that we don't have to move, um, I want to take it. But, I mean, the, it just happened that the opportunity came up at St. Xavier. I, w- I really didn't think an opportunity. It was going to like there was going to be an opportunity for me in the area, to be honest. Um, So that was really what made me go for the job in the first place, because I didn't have to move. I can now just focus on basketball um, and I could still get my pension, which was part of the reason why I had been at Winnie Young for so long. So that was really kind of what drove me there to take that position, to be honest. Got you. And I mean, it obviously was a was a good move. Um, and something that, you know, if I had to guess you, that you definitely feel was the right move because of the time that you were able to focus into your program at St. Xavier. And it obviously paid off this year with the success you had in your first year as a head coach over there. Um, so I know it's going to be more continued success for you as you continue to move on. Hopefully we can have basketball this year with uh, everything that's going right. on with the pandemic. Uh, <laughs> so, so exactly. nah, f- for sure, for sure. <laughs> so I kind of want to end this thing. I don't want to hold you up for too much longer. This has been great. Um, one of the things I did notice about, you know, your social media um, that I came across was your, your blog page, mixedthoughts.org. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got a lot of stories on there just – um, is this something that you started recently just uh, due to the pandemic? 
it is i've always i've always been a writer um and when we were you know quarantined i was like maybe i should start a blog and and i've always thought back and forth about it but i never had the time right to even like do it and put my thoughts together and and honestly i really was like back and forth about do i really want this stuff to be out there Mm -hmm. um but then i'm like i'm you know when you're writing it's kind of like part of writing is for yourself and then part of writing is for other people to maybe gain stuff from your experiences right um so i just during the quarantine i was like you know what i'm just gonna do it and and see what happens so that's why i went ahead and started the blog and I, i was like I didn't really have, have I don't really have like um like one specific topic for it. Right. So I'm just gonna be you know, I just write about what I feel like at that time. No, um, for sure. And I'm right now I'm just trying to write a couple times a month and see what happens if yeah. I can maintain that. <laughs> no, nah, for sure. I mean it's some good stuff. I, I know I've I read a, a couple of them. Um, I didn't even realize until this morning I was sliding down after I read one the other day. I was like, man, I said, oh, shoot, it's like five, six more down. I said, I didn't even keep scrolling. But the, <laughs> the, the one that intrigued me was the very first one that is up. It's your most recent one. It's called Miracles. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of talks about and it looks like that time that time frame for you was during your time at Whitney Young when you were yeah. going through that that time with not thinking that you could get pregnant um and just mm-hmm. th- what the doctors were telling you but obviously name of the the story um speaks for itself you were able to have your son um and mm-hmm. you know that kind of turned around so kind of talk to us about that you know what that meant for you how that time was for you um and how did it mold you and you know your faith and just believe and your continued belief that you know it would happen yeah so it was hard at first i mean it's you know you never think um and and this is all couples or just all people you never think like things are going to be hard to do so i always wanted to have a family i always wanted to have kids i never thought it was going to be like a complicated thing to be honest Um, i just thought okay you want to you want to have kids you just go and have kids like you know, you, you don't think about it might be hard to have kids. Right. And at first it was it was even hard for me to go get help um, to even go to the fertility doctor at first, because I was like, OK, something's you know, the first thing I'm thinking something's wrong with me if I can't have a kid. And I'm looking at all these people, you know, women that have kids everywhere, everywhere I turned. It seemed like somebody had a kid when I was trying to when I was trying to have a kid. It seemed like everybody had a kid. Right. Um. And then finally, I was like, okay, I'm at least going to try to go to a specialist and see. And when I went, I was shocked because the room was full of women, my very first appointment. And I'm like, wow, all these people are having, you know, all these women are, are in couples are having problems having a kid. Well, I never knew people had problems having a kid. Right. And just the, the very first time I went was eye-opening to just see and there's magazines on there and and, in the magazines I was reading about all these you know famous women who had done fertility treatments to to have their families that you know it's just not out there like that so you you think you're kind of battling this all by yourself when in reality there are a lot of people that have gone through that for sure um but the process the process for me was it was hard 
Um, so I did IVF, and, and actually what I didn't write in that particular blog, um, my first cycle of IVF, I did get pregnant, and we were in the middle of a season, and I um, miscarried after a game. And I was actually pregnant with twins. Oh, um, wow. And, yeah, so then I did three more cycles, and those cycles never worked. So that was why when I finally got pregnant, I was on the um, the blood clot, um, the blood thinner, because they, they thought I had a blood clot, and that was why I miscarried. Um, so it was just a long, a long time. I mean, the thing about fertility treatments is, all the hormones and the stuff that you have to do to your body to convince your body that you're pregnant or that it wants to get pregnant, it, it, it changes like a, a woman's body for sure. And just your, your mindset. Um, but what is kind of cool now is that that time period, um, and those girls that were on my team during that time period, like they were very, like I was very candid with them with what I was going through because I had to be, because there would be days that I couldn't, when I came to practice, like I had to sit down. Like I was so out of it from all the, all the medicine I was taking. Right. So they, they always knew what was going on and they were kind of like, they had the highs and the lows too. They knew when I was going through the procedure and when it didn't take, they knew when I lost the babies, they knew like they were all a part of that. So when I finally got pregnant, like my freshman came in in the middle of that and their senior year was when I got pregnant. Right. So one thing that was like, was really cool was just to kind of like they kind of went through that with me and just like them now when they come and they see the boys they're like just as like in awe as I am like <laughs> I can't believe you have three right, kids right. like they're like they're always like and when they see little Mac they're just like I, I you know like they were in the hot like they came the second I had them they're in the hospital like they you know they were little Mac was like everybody's kid like I right. like when I tell you when he was born I, if it was, if he didn't have to eat, he was not with me. Like it, he was at, like everybody's kids, all the girls, their parents, <laughs> like everybody was so happy. I finally, <laughs> I finally had a kid that he was like, they were taking them. Like I never had him like, like all the time when, when he was a baby, like everybody just wanted him because everybody was so happy um, that I finally had, that I finally had a baby. So it's so, it's so funny, like looking back to that time period and being like, you know, I, I didn't think that was possible. And yeah. then when I finally was just like, let me just leave it to God and let me just put faith in it. And if it happens, that happens. Right. And now I have three kids. And I kind of wrote this story, like, cause even my husband was like, I can't believe you're writing this. But I was like, an average couple looks at us and they see us with three kids. And right. so there, there could be a couple trying to have kids looking at us like, look, see, they, they got three kids, you know, the same stuff I was doing. I'd be like, why do they need six kids over there? I want one kid, <laughs> like, you know, and I'm like, there's, there's couples everywhere looking at us the same way out, you right. know, we were looking at people that they need to know, like we were once them too. Like we didn't think it was going to happen and yeah. it happened. So, and that was really why I wrote it because I think. It's a, it's like a taboo topic. Nobody wants to talk about how hard it is to have a family, but uh, for a lot of people, it is hard. No, for sure. But it doesn't mean it can't happen. Exactly. It doesn't mean it can't happen. Exactly. And yeah, I mean, shoot, <laughs> that's a testimony to you. And I mean, that's one of the reasons why I asked you to explain because I'm not sure how many people have you know tapped into that blog yet or seen that. You know what I mean? Um, mm -hmm. and I, like even even our be ready family. Like I don't know how many of them know this side of you 
Um, so I, right, I, I right. think, I think, man, I think this is beautiful. I think this is something that you know will open a lot of eyes, and you know, definitely want you to talk about that. So I'm glad you were open to do that. So, Coach, I'm not gonna hold you up for too much longer, but I, I do appreciate you taking the time to come on here and kind of talk with me and just kind of share your story and um, t- just talk about your journey. And well, let me ask you this, because I mean, I've asked almost everybody that's part of Be Ready family that's come on here. Uh, so during this pandemic, how how has the Be Ready um, help you help or mold you, I should say, as a coach and help you grow? Um, I think, man, I, I've learned so much, to be honest, like um, a lot. Like, I, I think from all the just all the different um speakers that we've had and just being able to just get more information even on you know from interviewing to special situations to how to handle the media like all of that for sure has made me a better coach um but I think what I appreciate the most is just having a group of people that um is supportive if that makes sense so I think it's hard to find that in this business like people that are just that just want to see you do well um and you know just just because they just want to see you do well and i and i think that's been like the biggest thing for me and to be able to bounce off different ideas without feeling like you're being judged for having those questions um and to just have that like whole different support system for sure and i i think that's been like it's, it's helped me like tremendously from that from that perspective of me just kind of learning more about the game the business but then learning more even about myself around people that are supportive for that um so and it's crazy because the very first call I was on my brother-in-law had told me about it and I was like I don't know if women should be on like can it is it okay to be on the call because I'm a woman and I had emailed Al and I was like Al and I was like if it's not okay for me to be on there just tell me (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to be on there if it's not okay to be on there but I was like I really want to be on there but if I can't be on there it's okay (laughs) and he was like it's fine it's fine and so that that's been like it's helped it's it's actually just helped me a lot like I've I've been real appreciative of it um and like even like simple things like the I don't know if you're on the challenge like the walking challenge or that running oh my gosh but Ooh. you know what? But I need that. Like, I yeah. need that type of stuff for me to just kind of need to motivate myself. And I like are like the X and O challenges. Like, I like those type of things yeah. just to make sure that I'm, you know, that I'm still kind of challenging myself with people that aren't, that aren't, um, you know, like that's like family. Right. So, you know, right. the, when you're with your family, you can challenge your family and you can have those tough conversations. No one else can have them with your family, but you can have them with your family. Exactly. And I kind of feel that. I kind of feel that's how that is. So well, that's, that's helped me a lot. Well, coach, yeah, I, I've enjoyed it. Well, coach, I'll let you know something. When we were talking about it's supposed to be 80 this month, I about lost it. I, like if I'm oh, going to put yeah. more miles on my body <laughs> than I'm going to put on my car in a month, then. Oh, oh boy. I don't know. <laughs> that That's why I was like, I got to start today. That's what <laughs> I was about to say. I was about to say, you went and got your your, your diet uh, uh, Pepsi Wild Cherry oh, flavor, sure Jones. Did. Hey, you, you oh made sure God. you got <laughs> I'm going back to get more. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. They're doing the limited, so you got you to gotta make your rounds. <laughs> 
I got. I'm, I'm going back today. Trust me. I got to buy every. I'm going to buy every um, case that's there, just in case they don't have them anymore. <laughs> <laughs> people oh, don't understand do you drink pop or uh, you probably call it soda but do you drink it uh every now and then every now and then i gotta have okay. like a like if i'm going on a long drive or something i don't want to get a coffee like i might get like a mountain dew or something like that oh okay okay so it's different out of a can than out the bottle because once you pour it out the bottle the rest of the bottle goes flat right right so that's that's why i've been like going crazy because i'm like i get a whole bottle and after one cup, the bottle—I might as well just throw the bottle on the garbage. Ah, <laughs> uh, boy! So you, it was love at first sight when you saw that they had them back in, in stock, huh? Yes. Oh, <laughs> yes, it was. I was so excited. <laughs> oh man, that's that's big time. Well, Coach, I ain't gonna hold you up. Um, oh, what I do do at the end of every episode, I ask the guests. Um, so I'm gonna ask you. Who do you think I should bring on the show within the next few weeks? I got a couple people lined up over the next couple of weeks, but who do you think I should uh, reach out to to get on the show? Oh, kind of put you on the spot right there. Um, you you definitely did. I, I would love to hear. Well, this is just personally, um, uh, Jerome Tang and just his different different things he's been through. Yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. Um, does it have to be someone from Be Ready? Nah, nah, saying, nah, 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 so. no, it doesn't uh, well, have to. I, I was thinking someone from B-Ready, so. N- yeah, I but. I was thinking of, um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Nah, I, I've already had Coach Tang in, in my head. I just was trying to uh, space out the the Baylor boys because had A-B a few episodes oh, yeah. back. So, you know. Yeah, you had, yeah. Got to gotta space that. it out a little bit. But, yeah. but nah, we'll definitely get get him on there at some point for sure, so. Well, Coach, I appreciate you. Or maybe gonna... Tommy, because I would love to hear how he, his whole COVID situation yeah. has been crazy. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. actually read his story the other day, man. That, that was that was pretty good, what he put out. Yeah, um, yeah. So, no, nah, we'll yeah. definitely definitely get him on here. Um, but, Coach, I ain't going to hold you up, man. I'm going to let you enjoy your, your Pepsi uh on this saturday <laughs> <laughs> go get make your rounds Thank to get you. the rest I, of them <laughs> i appreciate you <laughs> no nah, i appreciate you coach i appreciate you coming on and uh sharing your story and and definitely uh look forward to letting everybody else hear your story as well okay thank you i appreciate you coach talk to you all right all right, all right. thanks again for tapping into beyond the hardwood Just a quick reminder to share, subscribe, rate, and leave a review. And also, be sure to follow the Beyond the Hardwood page on IG as we continue to build this platform. And until next time, remember, life goes beyond the hardwood.